Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We should allow for our insignificance. We should fade into the background. You know, but no parent wants to hear this. You know, every parent gets upset. They want to be the, the first love and the greatest love of their children. I mean, it's really twisted how needy we are. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wiser Conversations, Together at Home. My name is Derek Handley. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, a teacher, and a student. Each episode... I sit down live with an amazing thinker, an author, an artist, a religious or spiritual leader. We have a conversation to reflect on our lives and the world around us in these very surreal times. With all the uncertainty, there is no better moment than now to reflect on what matters to us and who we wish to become as we see out this pandemic. Welcome. Most parenting advice would suggest that you're here to raise your kids. Dr. Shafali suggests it's the other way around. Oprah says her ideas are a paradigm shift that can change the world. I tend to agree, so come join us for a conversation that might just turn your ideas of parenting inside out. When I read and, and hear your, your work, I think that um, one of the biggest messages is that uh, we think as parents that we're here to uh, grow and control and direct something when one of your strongest messages is that in fact they're there to help raise us. It's just a fascinating idea and I think it's a great place to start. Would you mind sharing uh, how you got there and what that means for us? So in all relationships, uh, we are here to learn from the experience. In the parenting relationship, we don't look at it like that because children are so small. So we think the, the teaching is top down. But if we could understand there's a lot to learn, a lot to learn from this relationship, then our lens changes and the paradigm shifts. We stop looking at our children as these vessels of our knowledge, but instead as vessels of knowledge and vessels of wisdom. And we begin to extract from them what we need in humility, in curiosity to grow toward. And it's this attitude of non-ego, of non-idealized <coughs> um, sense of superiority that I'm trying to inculcate in my work, you know, really democratizing this relationship. And you speak of, of kids as being like a mirror to who we are and the things that they do that we get upset about or get angry about or get frustrated about are really an opportunity to look inwards to ourselves. 
Yes. So especially a child with whom you're having constant conflict with, it simply is not the child. It's something within you that is resisting the nature of the child and is unable to attune to their nature and doesn't have the skills to work with this temperament. You know, we don't know sometimes how to work with quote unquote more challenging kids or less compliant kids. And because we don't know and because they create such helplessness within us, such powerlessness within us, we blame the kid. But really that's one prime example where we need to say to ourselves, wow, I don't have the skills. I don't have the patience. I don't have the bandwidth. This person makes me feel so helpless. And I'm blaming this person, the child, for my helplessness instead of learning the skills so that I don't feel helpless, right? So what do I need to learn to let go of my expectation, to let go of my fantasy, to let go of my agenda and my desire to control how I feel? I'm using my child to make me feel powerful instead of understanding that I need to make myself feel empowered. Do you think in these environments where it's like 24-7, you know, kind of impounded in your own family environment, that it's even more pressure is put on everyone because those occurrences occur more and more and your reactions are, your patience is thinner and thinner. Um, I mean, how do you think with that kind of thinking that it should change how we respond in these extreme environments where we're all locked up together? Yeah, right now, all our issues are going to come bubbling to the surface and it's going to be extremely stressful because now the outer distractions are not there. We are making less money, I mean, across the board. We are uncertain across the board. We don't have the illusion of safety across the board. So the parents' very thin veneer of control is is blown off. So now emotions are going to run really high. And therefore, it's imperative for us to really look at ourselves and our healing even more so during this pandemic than ever before. You know, learn how to meditate, read parenting books, self-develop, take a course. Yes, slow down, realize, wow, you don't know how to do these things. And it's time to get really comfortable with the self. But if you don't like yourself, then it's going to show up even more and more. Right. It's kind of like when there's pressure, the cracks show up more, right? It's like someone's shining a light on those cracks. I think one of the most confronting things about your work, or the most potentially confronting things is there are a lot of adults, I'm sure on this, on this call right now, who aren't really confident or sure in who they are. They're, they took a job because they thought that was the job. They went to university because they thought that's what they were expected to do. They've done all the things that society expected them to do. And your teaching is saying, well, your child is here to reflect a mirror back to you to question, have you been true to yourself? Because your mission, Shafali, is to help parents enable the child to be true to themselves, right? Correct. And we can only do it when we value truth in ourselves. If we've been sheep shepherded all our lives following the herd, then we don't even esteem that in another. It's when you have tasted freedom in yourself that you really sanctify it in another. If you have dissociated and divorced from your own freedom, you don't have a voice yourself, you're not going to honor it in, your, in the other, especially your child. That's why it's so imperative for parents to have their own life, their own internal fulfillment, and not impose their own ideas and fantasies onto their children, right? You, the, just because you care about grades doesn't mean your kid is going to care about grades. Just because you care about lovely, long, combed hair 
your child needs to have lovely long combed hair. And I'm saying these silly details because the, the, the devil is in the details. That's where he shows up or she shows up. It's these little things. The kid is wearing mismatching socks and the parent is like, no. And the kid is like, no. And we're fighting over socks or we're fighting over hair or really a grade as if it's, it's the tsunami of a lifetime. And this, I think my approach more than anything, I hope, if the parent hears it from the right ear, is to give perspective that we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Life is eternal and it's beyond us. We are just these minuscule people for a speck of time. We are not the most important people in the world. Uh, we are not the most important people in our children's world. They should not think that we are the most important people in their world. We should be rendered irrelevant because that is a sign of their autonomy. We should allow for our insignificance. We should fade into the background, you know, but no parent wants to hear this. You know, every parent gets upset. They want to be the, the first love and the greatest love of their children. I mean, it's really twisted how needy we are. You know, we should not have had too many children. And if we have had too many children, certainly it's not so they come home for Thanksgiving. It's so that they go and live their own lives. If they come home, great, you're honored, you're blessed, but it's not a given, you know? And I think we use our children to really give ourselves a sense of significance, which is the sickness. So now we, in a sense, have more time than ever because we're in our homes. In a sense, we probably have less time than ever because we're cooking, cleaning, teaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, New Zealand, we started school last week uh, at home. Uh, so it's more crowded in a sense that there's these few people in these, this small house or whatever your environment is living on top of each other, um, trying to work through this. Uh, what are some of the things that you're thinking are, I guess, most important from, you know, your philosophy that we could be taking on board right now in these conditions? Well, many things. One is, you know, examine your expectations, release your idea of perfectionism, you know, stop trying to control and micromanage every moment, let go of some fantasies. Yeah, your house is going to be dirty. Yes, your kids are not going to bathe. You can't do it all. Release your perfectionism over your own sense of ideal parenthood. You're not a parent in, in regular times. You're a parent in a pandemic. You're certainly not a teacher. You're certainly not, you know, the housekeeper plus a parent plus a teacher in a pandemic ever, and you've never done this before. So having great compassion, great ease, call it quits. You know, you can only do so much. Keep the kids emotionally healthy. Connect to them with love and physical touch. And let go of doing fancy jigsaw puzzles and learning three languages and losing 20 pounds and you know, standing on your head. This is not the time to do all this. If you do it, fabulous, but this is not the time. You know, if you brush your teeth, no one got hurt, you did not slap them and lock them in the dungeon, you did great, A plus plus to you, right? And they got food to eat off a plate and not the floor. I mean, really, I, I'm being facetious, but it's really, we need to get straight and real that this is not the time for overzealousness and over pressure. This is a time for adjustment, adaptation, flexibility, spontaneity, and laughter and relaxation because the pressure is too much on the outside. So we have to mm -hmm. let go of the pressure inside, you know? So we have to do that as parents. We have to take the thermostat and lower it or raise it, whichever one you feel like cold or hot. We have to release the pressure. 
the the kids are okay if we're okay you know if they see us as being bastions of stability and optimism and level-headedness they will also absorb that right so you think even with you know as i said last wednesday we get not dumped but we get presented with a whole lot of things that we should be teaching our children now for school because school started even in that sense it's like really reduce the whole level of expectation and pressure and let play and creativity and spirit lead and if you can fit those things in fit them in right what about the parents who are concerned that people are going to fall behind and their kids are going to start to slip and they're going to you know when everyone goes back to school they're going to be the bottom like some people must be feeling this anxiety yeah well if the virus has taught us one thing is there is no future and all our ideas about what is ideal have been combusted so when i think of that as well i remind myself there is no curve there is no you know falling behind it's all in my mind and culture has surely created pressure but it's all an illusion and we're seeing that you know now we're realizing oh what good is it that i have that fancy job i don't have it right now or what good <laughs> is it that my hair was so fabulous and i spent 300 dollars a month now look at it it's all gone right so we're realizing things we attach to to keep up we've all slipped behind so if your kid slips behind your kid slips behind i mean you as a parent have to detach from that ideal and realize it's an illusion and it's really insane that the, the schools are doing this and i'm not happy about it at all the schools should have completely let go of all uh, grades uh, let half the curriculum but schools are trying to stay in business too and maintain their significance and i think it's utterly unadaptive of them and maladaptive of them and i'm really not happy i've seen it with my daughter and they cannot focus our children cannot focus they were not meant to learn from a screen we weren't meant to be teachers this is a crisis i don't want to be police to my child and every mother is saying this to me or parent is saying this to me and and the school hasn't adapted it's a gargantuan you know institution that's sadly hasn't been able to let go of its tethers and feels panicked and has put a lot of pressure on the system if we did not have the grading if we just had you know optional curriculum everyone would be way better off mm. you said something just now about you know we generally live as people in the past or in the future right in our heads and in the things we plan for the things we long for the things that we mourn and um on sunday we we're speaking with a lovely zen priest from kyoto who i met when i went to japan last year and of course zen uh a lot of the philosophy is about just the present right this entire existence is a whole succession of present moments and at least in the western world we have really um you know auctioned that off and kind of live in both the past and the and the future and one of your key i mean it's fascinating to me your your philosophy and your work seems to be whether it's intentional or not deeply inspired by some strong zen elements of you know presence like and bringing a present awareness to being a parent and yeah my my wisdom is not my wisdom it's what i take from the buddha and uh, you know i i just i just am so in adoration of this teaching because it's the only teaching that talks about the present and and 
teaches us how to control our mind and not let it run away. Because you're right, the Western world or the, the material world is primarily lived planning for the future. And in doing that, we completely miss the present. And I can't tell you, and I'm sure you felt this in your own life, the enormous shifts that have occurred when I orient to the present. And this is what I want to offer to people, especially when we're raising children, because children are so amazingly, gorgeously, staggeringly, unbelievably unburdened by this, you know, this vestige of the future. I mean, even my daughter who's 17, she'd be like, mom, I'm not thinking of the future. I said, uh, clearly, clearly, clearly you're not. But she's right. She's like, I don't, I don't know what I want to be. I'm, I don't know who I'll be. I, I don't think of the future. And it drives me crazy when I'm, when I'm forgetting that she's right, right? And then I, I have to reorient myself to the present. And this virus has shown us, you know, if anything else, you know, there is simply no future. There, there's no such thing called the future. It's only the present and more present and more present and more present and more present. So I'm fully on the same page there, as difficult as it is to, um, to, to live that way. How does that inform, you know, what we should take away from terms of like, okay, parenting, you know, when we're trying to connect, be in the present moment, just engage with our children right there and then and not constantly worrying about why are they doing this? If they don't do this, then this will happen. And, you know, how does the present philosophy inform your thinking around parenting? Because I know it perpetuates all your writing and your talking as well. Well, yeah, it's not about you don't plan. You make plans, but you make plans knowing that they are, you know, bubbles that could burst as easily as a flame goes out. They are ethereal, they are transient, but make the plan, but don't attach to it. You know, make it knowing you're, you're, you're fully fantasizing that it's going to come out as you planned, right? You're, you're right now hallucinating. Like, so, so, you know, where we plan a trip to Italy, then we'll do this, then we'll do this, then we'll do that, then we'll do that. Make it, but no, while you're making it, you're utterly ludicrous. You're act, act, talking nonsense. You are under the influence of drugs because how are you making plans way into the future with such certainty, 27 to 29, we will see the Eiffel Tower, and then we'll see that, you know, what are you doing? But we have to do it on the, on the basis of just life. But understand, in the spiritual life, it could all combust, and we need to be prepared for it. So when things go wrong, we are so devastated, as if life promised us exactly what we planned. You know, who are we? We have such a delusion of superiority. We're like, no, it was my holiday. I have been working so hard for this, right? And we... We're, we're very narcissistic in our planning and it shows up like this. So in parenting, make the plan, apply for the school, think that your kid is going to go to that school and be happy, do everything, put your ducks in a row, but know very clearly that all of this is coming from your narrow point of view. You are not able to see the future and you have no idea what other possibilities you have completely not contemplated because you are a limited human being and allow for the wide range of unexpected and be open that even if it looks bad, it could be exactly what your kid needs to grow, you know, and allow for the, the removal of good and bad. You know, that's one of my other teachings is there's no good and bad. What you think is good could be the worst thing for your kid. And what you think is bad could be the best thing for your kid. Who are you to say? Because you're only looking at it from a myopic view of culture. You're not understanding things in terms of spiritual growth and development. 
Mm. How do you think that plays out? You know, like literally the small things, as you said earlier today, you know, before the small things might've been the hair and whatever. And today the small things are the house is a mess. They're not cleaning up. They're not, you know, they're not doing what I asked or they're playing too much Xbox. Um, You don't, advocate also just throwing discipline or any kind of but but living in the moment is living in the moment meaning if the dishes are dirty the dishes are dirty so you have to deal with the dirty dishes you don't have to deal with the dirty dishes and tell your kid you're never going to have a clean house and i don't know how you're you're ever going to get married and i don't think you're ever going to (laughs) be successful just dirty dishes so just deal with the dirty dishes right Right. the story that we put on top of the present moment is the problem i'm not certainly saying clean the dishes i'm never not exactly i'm just saying don't put on the dishes a whole future story story. yeah don't make a story out of it because you don't know that story it's all in your own head and that's your anxiety because you're trying to control the the present moment because the present moment is bringing up anxiety in you but it's bringing up anxiety in you because you've gone to the future if you just look at it as oh dishes are not done again, let's clean the dishes again, and just come back to the present, come back to the present, then you will just deal, clean this up, then clean the next thing up, clean the next thing up, and stop projecting to the future. That's where we become miserable. Mm. One of the things you uh, speak a lot about also is kind of, um, you know, if, if, if if there's a ratio of how much you speak to your kids about their behavior, stack it almost exclusively in kind of recognizing and celebrating when they are doing the things that you want them to do, even if nine times out of 10, they're not, you know, why do you think that's a philosophy that we should embrace versus? Well, because it's like us, you know, we don't want to be told all the time. You know, I feel it like my daughter cringes every time I walk in because she can see on my face, I'm going to tell her what to do or what she's not done. Who wants to live with a Sergeant General, you know, we are police and sergeant generals and detectives and micromanagers and the worst kind of person to live with, you know. <laughs> and we have to recognize that that's annoying for our children. We strip them of their autonomy. We're always telling them, did you do your homework? Did you do that? Did you do that? Now do this. Now do that. Oh my goodness. That's why they tune us out. Because I don't blame them. I would tune me out too. Right? I really what does what? that sergeant general? What does that sergeant general behavior say about us, and what can we learn from it? Because I think that sergeant general behavior uh, is probably amplified and increased in a significant way as we get onto week four and five and six of this. You know. Long- yeah, because now every two minutes there's a dirty house, so you have to like, and it's it's because it's it creates chaos within us, and we can't tolerate a dirty house. You know, literally, my daughter left a highlighter, this highlighter right here out of the case on the table, you should have seen my internal panic. And I was like, I couldn't even handle, I, I didn't say a word to her, but internally I was like, ah! and I went and picked it up and put it back as if it was going to attack me. You know, we are, we're, we're crazy. We parents are so control freaky because we're so, we live on edge so much. We want control and tidiness, order, schedule. What are we doing tomorrow? What are we eating tomorrow? Who is going to sleep at seven? Who's sleeping at 7.20 gives us control because these children are just monsters out of control. And we didn't have them for this level of anxiety. You know, we're like, damn it, this is too much. So we're trying to whip them into shape like a sergeant general. It gives us control. So during this time of pandemic, I suggest that you try to clean up only once a week. But I figure that will be too scary for most people. So (laughs) at least at least wait till the end of the day, but then they're too tired. So then 
I don't know. There's no answer. You know, or just do it yourself, you know, because when they clean up, they make a bigger mess, I've realized. So cut your losses, you know, just sanity is the, is the pledge. Sanity is the goal. Mm -hmm. And not losing your head and not abusing them and destroying them. So we have to just keep our mouth, talk less, do less, keep it simple. Yes, the house is going to be chaotic. Yes, your life is going to be a mess. Surrender to it. Mm. And just, you know, I live with a 17-year-old who is just all over the house. Like everywhere I go, there's, there's remnants of her existence. And it's intolerable, you know. Well, it's, it's, the only place, it's the only place she can go, right? It's the only place we can all go. Exactly. It's into other rooms. So wherever we see a clean area, we dump our crap. So we have to accept this and go easy on each other mm. and just re- let the house be done. The house has to be sacrificed. This is what I'm saying. Right. The, the, clothes have, the clothes have to be sacrificed. The beauty has to be sacrificed. Cleanliness has to be sacrificed. You have to give up something in order to survive this crisis. If you're trying to hold on to the past where you were, this perfect, perfect mother, perfect parent, and trying to be in a pandemic, and trying to teach, living 24-7, your partner doesn't leave the house, you will go insane. So this is how we adapt. We, we go, something has to be sacrificed, you know? Mm-hmm. Sacrifice something, your weight, your beauty, your house, your, you know, I don't know. Try not to sacrifice the sex because then there'll be even more hell in the house. <laughs> I think that that's really interesting kind of place to, to end before we take some questions because it really goes also back to, again, kind of these Zen concepts of attachment, right? We are attached to all these expectations about how things should be. So, I mean, it's an opportunity for us as adults to practice um, being less attached, right? Being not detached in a sense, but like letting go of so much attachment to these things that we have perceived in the past are so important, whether it's dishes or housework or whatever it might be. And I think, I think that's quite a a challenge, right? It's quite difficult, but it is an, an exciting challenge for us to try and exercise over these coming weeks as well. But, you know, that's what is the wisdom of adaptation. What is adaptation? Adaptation is to change, to shift, to actually, there should be something to, to, to be seen as different. So the difference could be increased chaos or increased filthiness or disorderliness. That's okay. You're still adapting. It's a shift. If it happens that it can be stayed, staying the same, great. But if it can't, means we have to adapt to it. That means the house cannot sustain so many people 24-7 without wearing down. So we have to adapt to the house as a living organism and stop being so obsessive about it. Similarly with our children. Our children are going through tremendous struggling and uh, pressure to, to stay, maintain equanimity living with us 24-7, living cooked up in the house. They're not getting to go outside and you have their structure either. So we have to adapt, mm. right? We have to understand everyone is acting out in some way. Everyone is coping according to their own levels of PTSD. So we must have extra bandwidth within us for extra frailty, for extra fragility. I know you've got to go in a few minutes. So I'm just going to pick some questions as people submit them. Uh, first one we've got here is, how do we lower the thermostat in a home when one parent counters the other with higher expectations and stress? So basically there's difference in opinion on this in the family amongst the parents. 
I have a four dads course that they can take. It's half off. Uh, it's hard. Fathers typically, stereotypically, um, you know, are very traditional and linear and high, you know, hierarchical, and uh, they make it difficult. So, uh, but it, I, I'm just saying that it's fathers. It could be the mother too. But most typically, it's the men who follow the traditional paradigm. Um, so what I would say is when you're having a difference in opinion, you know, try not to argue too much because you're cooped up and you can't do anything about it. So the less the argument, the better. But um, you could, with your kid, explain to your kid, you know, this is how mommy deals with it. This is how I deal with it. This is how dad deals with it. At least allow your children to express how they feel. And try to talk to your spouse, you know, allow, allow your spouse maybe to watch some videos about this and see if they can be enlightened in some other way. Another one is about school. Uh, my daughter's school is emailing every couple of days telling me she's disengaged and not submitting her work. And I'm working from home trying to keep her motivated, but the school keeps emailing me. Yeah, I mean, this is, I've heard this from so many people. They need to write back to the school and say, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my hardest. Uh, the kid is struggling, you know, back off in a, in a nice way. What should we take away from what's going on now as ways of parenting and keep them? Like when the lockdown and things are over, what are some of the things that are good that are coming out of this? That oh, we there's so much. There's so much. It's that you can never predict your child's future. So stop pretending you know exactly what they need because we're clear we don't know what skills they need. What if this is our whole life? It's not going to be. But what if this was the whole life? All the things you planned for, you, now they can't, those were not the skills they needed. They needed other skills, didn't they? Just to show you that we never know what they need. We're thinking we know what they need, but we don't know what they need. And that is the key lesson that this is teaching us, that we parents need to jump off our bandwagon of superiority and dictatorship thinking that we know what our kids need for the future. We have no idea what their future is going to hold and therefore we cannot train them for it. We cannot skill build for it. Um, another thing is uh, just about, you know, the power of connection. You know, connection we're seeing is what we're missing right now. We're, we're missing the power of meeting our friends and our family and the physical touch. And that's what our children need. So you have them in your home, capitalize on it, harness it, highlight it, and really hug them a lot touch them a lot, be with them a lot. This is a unique opportunity, especially if you have young kids, to really enjoy them and sink into them because they will remember that coming out of this. Right. I have another question. Um, when, when if people who've been listening to this, they reflect and they, and they get your message that each child is a spirit of its own and we're trying to protect and, and keep that pure, but then they recognize that maybe them as a parent have not really honored that and that they have let other things move themselves off course. When you see that in, in parents that you meet and talk to, how do you, what do you counsel them to do to begin with, to start to reconcile, well, this gap between you know, who they really are and how they've actually been living? Well, if they're willing to look at that, I, I do help them embark on a whole journey of finding themselves. I have a lot of courses and actually all my courses are half off right now, right. but a lot of courses that pave the journey and cultivate a sense of inner questing, inner discovery, inner journey. And I launch them on a path so they can go inward. It's not easy. It's not immediate. It'll take time. It's, you know, my courses are for a year long, 52 hours, really, 
uh, when they're recorded, archived. So this is not an easy thing. It's it's a lifelong commitment. But the first is the point you're making is that it's a decision that people have to make an awareness yes. of the decision they want to go down that path. Yes, exactly. So when they're open, the teacher arrives, you know. Okay, look, two, two more questions, unless there's any others. Uh, I'll go through, I think, a really interesting one is about screen times. I mean, it's pretty easy at the moment, especially if you're working at home, to default to the screens taking care of the kids. I don't uh, advocate screens for young kids. I always say no screens till teens. So if you haven't given screens to your kid, try not to. But if your kid is on the screen, especially if they're teenagers, like 15 and above, don't fight it. Uh, if they're younger, yeah, keep the same routine that you did. But also recognize they can watch a movie, you know, every day now because it's 24-7. So, you know, if it's a beautiful movie, an educational movie, a lovely movie, it's okay. You know, we can't be too strict right now. Last one, and then, um, uh, and then I think we'll close, is our children keep fighting. <laughs> Two children just keep fighting, big personalities, big energy. Yeah, they're stressed out, they're cooped up. So we try our best to, which this is impossible right now, you know, they're going to fight. So at least we don't get stressed out. We try to tell them, you know, there are lots of videos on sibling rivalry. Uh, you can watch them online. Laura Markham has a great video with Weenie Jane. Um, and, you know, lots of techniques to negotiate, to create bonding. And also to release the control, like let them fight. And unless they're hurting themselves, don't interfere. Because part of it is them using you as a pawn and then they're playing happily again. And you're like, why did I get all hooked up? So don't control every fight. You know, this is their way of working things out. They're frustrated. They're using each other as pawns of their frustration. So don't panic every time. It's not unhealthy. Every sibling pair fights uh, tooth and nail. So unless they are... Uh, really bludgeoning each other, try to not step in right now. Thank you so much, Dr. Shafali. I mean, I know your wisdom and thoughts are in huge demand right now with millions of people cooped up in their houses with kids that they love and that they want to come out of this in a positive way. Um, really appreciate you sharing uh, your thinking with us. And as we said at the beginning, you know, can't wait to bring you down to New Zealand to see our beautiful country, meet our beautiful people when when this whole world somehow gets back to something that, you know, resembles normal, if there is such a thing. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I really had a great time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Wiser Conversations, Together at Home. If you like this episode, please share it. And if you haven't yet, go on and push subscribe. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.